again for them boys from 607 podcast to talk all things pro wrestling it's time for this week's episode of 607 TWS live on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast or anywhere you get great podcasts by searching 607 TWS on that replay of course, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I'm one of your hosts here on 607 Podcast on Twitch and also the host of the Three Fat Nerds Podcast. My name is Rich. And joining me as he does each and every week, the other host here at 607 Podcast on Twitch. And also, you better know him as the host of the Outro Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the O-D-P-H. I'm talking about Kenem. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is going on? What is good? Let's talk some pro wrestling, shall we? Absolutely. And it's been a lot better of a week. Yes. Good news. Made it through a birthday. Had some great wrestling shows. Good week. Good week. Could be, could be a little better. I could have not had snow today. But yeah. other than the snow... Very good week, and I hope everybody out there had a great week as well. How was your week? Uh, week was good. A uh, little rough patches here and there, but we smoothed them out a little bit. So in a good mood, heading to the Hammerstein. That's right, and I'm uh, I'm excited to announce that we found out this week that you are actually going to be at the Hammerstein Ballroom this Hell Sunday. Hell yeah! I mean, I'm I was going to be there already. So right, but it's not breaking news for me because months ago I told everybody I was going to be at the Hammerstein. I will be there this Sunday as well as you and Crazy Curtis Gaming. Uh, representing 607 Podcast, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't fucking wait. You do have to miss the Bills playoff game, though. <laughs> I will have it on my phone. I'll be watching, because I've had to do it before in the past. Uh, I don't I, I don't know how you're going to watch that and be be a part of the largest crowd to ever be in the Hammerstein. I think it's going to be a little difficult for you. I mean, you I'll, can keep track of it, but I'll be it's like going to be a little difficult, I think. I, I really do, because uh, it should be a hot show, and of course, we'll talk about that in the main event of the show, so mm-hmm. not, not to get too ahead of ourselves. Here, of course, uh, in the mid-card of the show this week, we'll be talking some wrestling news, some AEW stuff, some rumor and innuendo, a little bit of WWE stuff, not too much. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, last but certainly not least, in the opening segment of the show, the opening bout, we'll be talking about the GCW weekend that just went down this past weekend in the Midwest, the final road to the Hammerstein Ballroom in World on GCW, and of course, the Terminus event that also yes. happened on Sunday, first time ever for Jonathan Gresham. We'll talk about that as well. But... But before we can get there, Ken M, tell the fine folks how to find yourself in the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. Check out the directory where you'll find the ODPH on your favorite podcast player. Parlay points, new blogs dropping this week, the T Public Store, and so much more. Socials at OD Parlay Hour and odphpodcast.com for everything else. And to find the Three Fat Nerds podcast, uh, you can find us anywhere you get great podcasts by searching Three Fat Nerds. I always use the number three instead of the word three for everything. Uh, 8122productions.com has all of the information, including our T Public Store, our Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content. Also, the Twitch line is there. Bands, uh, friends of the show, like the band that you heard in the Open Floodlands, you can find them there as well. Local sponsors, all sorts of crazy stuff. One stop shop, 8122productions.com. We're on all social medias, Three Fat Nerds Pod. Throw 
throwing at in front of it if you have to. And Twitter is usually the place to be. Although this past weekend was my birthday, so I took a little Twitter time out on Saturday. I was very active on Friday. Saturday, I was like, eh. Saturday, you got to enjoy the I'm gonna day. I'm going to enjoy my birthday watching the Bills game and also, well, partially watching the Bills game because mm-hmm. it was such a fucking blowout. And then also uh, mostly watching GC dub uh, on the second night there, say you will. Which we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, it was a good weekend, good birthday. Once again, a lot better mood than I was in last week, which, you know, thankfully, now that that's all straightened out, whew, you know, it was, it was, it was it's a Harry Carey moment. Mm-hmm. Harry, Harry Carey. Um, I wish I could do the Harry Carey voice. Yeah. I just can't. But, you know, it was overall, I'm, I'm happy to be back in uh, prime shape because we got a lot of great stuff to talk about this week. And with that saying, let's not waste any time. Well, you know what? I hit the wrong button. It's time! There we go. Now it's in the raid order. I, I was jumping the gun. I wanted to talk. I want to talk so much about this. I was jumping the gun. Of course, GCW had its final, final shows going into the world on GCW coming up this upcoming Sunday, which we will talk about in the main event, so I'm not going to waste much time Mm -hmm. talking about it here because obviously we're going to talk about it later but they had two great shows once again coming from the midwest starting off on friday night at 8 p.m eastern standard time so that would have been 7 p.m central time if i'm not mistaken uh from harpo's theater for the first time from harpo's theater Mm -hmm. in detroit michigan classic venue in detroit michigan and it was jam-packed to the rafters it looked uh, like a very packed house yes of course, uh, let's go right into it. We opened up with a six-way scramble match uh, where scheduled was Dante Leone, Jimmy Lloyd, J.J. Garut, or Garrett, if you will, but we got to throw in the extra there, Nate Webb, Ninja fucking Mac, and uh, then all of a sudden it became a seven-way. Yes. Because Alex Zane just decided that he was going to run in and just do a crazy uh, from-the-stage-to-the-ring dive uh, and uh, add himself in. So now we have a seven-way scramble. It was a pretty quick one. It was about six minutes and 12 seconds, but it was high spots galore. One botch of note, but whatever. And I think in that botch, we, we might have gotten the, the facial hurting of uh, what J.J. <laughs> Garrett. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, we saw some death-defying things, including a uh, stage dive from Ninja Kamikaze Mac. Of course, we now know he's going to be going to Pro Wrestling Noah sometime in the next few months. So congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, the base guy, Gringo Loco, comes out with a Duke. How'd you feel about this seven-way scramble match open? Most notorious on Friday night. You want to talk about starting out hot. Alex Zane's leap into the ring definitely set the tempo for the match. The one botch is already forgettable because it was a tough spot to even pull off to begin with. So if they nailed it, it would have been something crazy, but it didn't even hurt the match that badly. And they kept the tempo going for it and very, you know, happy with the ending too. Yeah, very much so. The next match proves why they always say card subject to change because originally it was scheduled for Rich Swan to take on Leon Ruff or as he's called himself now, I do believe Leon Ruffian. Uh, I think that's what he has to officially call himself, even though they did announce him as Leon Ruff. But yes. I think for legal purposes, it's Leon Ruffian. Uh, but uh, card subject to change for whatever reason. I have not heard a reason yet. Rich Swan was not able to make it. Uh, once again, if it was personal stuff, it's none of our business anyways. Right. But GCW shuffled the deck, and a man who was originally supposed to be in the scramble match then joined this match going one-on-one, of course, the replacement opponent. Big Breakfast, the East Coast Ace, the Cloud Cutter, Jordan Oliver, 
and Jordan Oliver would defeat Leon Ruff in 11 minutes and 32 seconds and debut his brand new finisher, which he is now using the Orange Crush as a finisher, and that looks super sweet. Yeah, definitely a solid match and a great finisher, too. Yeah, uh, great match. Leon Ruff threw it in, so did Jordan Oliver. Got no problems. Uh, Jordan Oliver is, in in my opinion, is the best young talent in this country today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not taking anything else or away from any other great young talents like Nick Wayne or Billy Starks or even uh, Atticus Coger. Although I don't even consider him a young talent anymore, even though he is young. Right, he's just already arrived. But I think that uh, uh, Jordan Oliver is a star in the making. And uh, GCW does a great job of showcasing him once again here against Leon Ruff. Mm-hmm. Next up, uh, we had. Big Daddy Cool, Diesel, Kevin Nash himself, coming to a GCW ring, which nobody would have thought. And also what nobody would have thought is that it would be so damn entertaining as he addressed the Detroit, his home crowd in Detroit. Really good time. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, He brought out his friend Alex Shelley. They had a lot of fun. They did a super sweet, too sweet. That was epic. And uh, then he left right before uh, Jimmy Jacobs would come out to, by the way, goodbye, White Horses. Mm -hmm. How epic was that? So we got Alex Shelley versus uh, Jimmy Jacobs. 11 minutes, 27 seconds. Alex Shelley gets the win. And the first time, so KG mentioned this on, and I I I fact-checked him, even though I believe KG. Mm -hmm. He's one of the, you know, of course, one of the great Kevin Gill Great commentators for uh, GCW mentioned the first time these two men wrestled was in 2003 for IWA Mid-South. That's crazy. And uh, guess what? They still delivered. Uh, Luce chiming in. Luce says he was high AF, and that is absolutely yeah, true. Facts. As a matter of fact, <laughs> keep your eyes out in the Detroit area for Jackknife Kush. We hear it's coming to you very soon, according to Kevin Nash. Uh, he must be getting into that game. Mm-hmm. No hey, blame. Can't knock the hustle. But Alex Shelley, man, Alex Shelley, Jimmy Jacobs, they're two veterans. They've been doing it a while. Hell, they put on a hell of a show, in my opinion. Uh, you know what? I remember seeing them wrestle in IWA Mid-South. I don't remember if it was exactly their first time in 03, but I've definitely seen them wrestle there before, mm-hmm. back in the early 2000s, and where they've come today, and they're still delivering a great event. How do you feel about the match? Solid match. I mean, you talk about two real veterans of the game, and they put on an entertaining performance, no matter how many times they've gone at it. This one definitely lived up to the hype. I was super entertained with it. Oh, absolutely. And uh, like I said, for two veterans to still be going out there and killing it, love Mm -hmm. it. Alex Shelley, uh, you know, wins at the end of the day. Next up, Matt Cardona came to the ring with Chelsea Green, and they proceeded to cut a promo on GCW, on Joey Janela, on the city of Detroit. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, Cardona is scheduled and did fight Rhino. But before the match, he says that Rhino is not. He claims to be the last ECW world champion. He was not. That, of course, was Ezekiel Jackson. Right. Which got booze. <laughs> but he was the last ECW world television champion. And tonight, when he defeats Rhino, he's going to be the new ECW world champion or world television champion. Sorry. So they had their match, 10 minutes and 48 seconds. We did get to see Rhino Gore. <sighs> Chelsea Green threw a door, Yo, which was epic. That was crazy. However, in the same old shit moment of the night, and I, that's right, I'm going to say it, nut shot, belt shot, the only thing he didn't do was the Rough Rider, because that's been his finish for the last 50 fucking matches in every promotion he's been in, but he skipped the Rough Rider this time, or, you know, the movie, he's, the movie he stole, the Sack Rider. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, one, two, three, defeats Rhino and declares himself the new ECW World Television Champion. But there's a little bit of uh, drama in the Cardona house. 
Yeah, it was a little interesting to see the rift now happen between Matt and Chelsea. And, you know, I was not so captivated by the whole ECW television title sto- story. I was kind of like, why are we bringing this back? Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I thought it was stupid. And once yeah. again, you know what? As much as I gave Zack Ryder two awards this year for Feud of the Year, him versus the Indies, and of course, what the fuck moment of the year for him uh, in the Nick Cage uh, homecoming events. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, man, I'm just tired of seeing the same fucking match for Matt Cardona. Yeah, it's it's. There's nothing innovative. There's nothing new. He's bringing it's it's the rehash. I mean, it's entertaining to a point, but it's like. At this stage, you got to do something a little different. You know, Every match up. ends with a nut shot, yeah. a belt shot, and a rough rider. Or if he doesn't have a belt, which he usually does, it's just a rough rider after a low blow. It's like, come on, man. Can't, can't you get heat any other way? Yeah. You're already the most hated guy in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody nobody likes you. So if he goes that route at Hammerstein, I promise I'm going to try to get a same old shit chant started, which I don't think will be a problem with the New York City crowd. I don't think so either. Uh, by the way, he's hoping Vince McMahon will be there. We'll get into that a little later. But yeah. That was a funny tweet. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had 607 TWS's favorite asshole, Tony Deppin in action as he took on the great Dark Sheik. Nine minutes and 25 seconds. Tony Deppin wins the match. Great match, though. And at the end of the match, Tony Deppin shows us his assets, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Deppin is, is a legend. And this was a fantastic match. Oh, too. fantastic match! Like I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing this get ran back very, very soon. And Tony, like I say, Tony Duffin's on a hot streak right now, going to Hammerstein. Oh, absolutely! And uh, like I said, he's our favorite asshole. Yes, he is, he's and he king. enjoys that. He he retweets and likes every time we bring up he's our favorite asshole. Mm-hmm. So, this is facts. I love Tony Duffin. Uh Next up, we had Sabu. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of course, uh, MLJ gave him all the props. Which I mean, he's from Detroit, and I will say. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll dive into it some other time. Not tonight. Mm-hmm. I have my own Sabu stories, and whether I am a fan or not is irrelevant mm-hmm. at this point in juncture. We'll talk later. Yep. Uh, it'll, we'll add that to the bag of things we'll share later on sometime. However, uh, it looked like he was about to cut a promo, which, you know, he does talk nowadays. And uh, before he cut, Atticus Kogar cuts him off. I think this is the company trying to make Atticus the heel again. Uh, after the response that he got in Atlantic City, the last shows, which no matter how hard KG tried to uh, call him a scumbag and the biggest piece of shit, uh, it's hard to sell that when the crowd is chanting Atticus. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're just trying to revert, which is fine. Cuts a great promo on Sabu and then gets jumped. He was on the stage and he gets jumped from behind from Matthew Justice. And on paper, because that's the match, Atticus Koger mm-hmm. versus Matthew Justice. On paper, I said this is going to be the most brutal match of the night. And not only was it the most brutal match of the night, it was in then some. Because Matthew Justice is insane. He's a psychopath. He stage dives off the stage onto one man. Yeah. I thought he broke his tailbone. Oh, legitimately from the one camera shot, it definitely looked like it. Then Atticus gives him the skewers and follows it with the hardest chair shot I've ever seen that knocked the skewers out. Yeah. And after that, Matthew Justice stands on a buckle and says, if you're going to hit me with a chair, hit me, pussy. So Atticus proceeds to throw one chair, ring it around his head, throw another chair, ring it around his head, then grab a chair and crack him in the head about three or four times. And every time, Matthew Justice is just laughing and he's not protecting himself at all because he's a lunatic. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, we always forget that Atticus Coger is a member of 440. Gregory Iron and Bobby Beverly, the Bev, Come out, they grab Sabu on the stage. 
Gregory Irons blowing the whistle like he's Fonzie. And Atticus Kogar takes the distraction of Matthew Justice to give them the roll-up in the 1-2-3 in an 18 minutes and uh, 14 seconds. Atticus Kogar defeats Matthew Justice by hooker by crook. And then Matthew Justice does a <laughs> normal Matthew Justice. I'm assuming he was supposed to cut a promo to challenge 440 the next night. Yeah. Because that's what he eventually gets to. But before then, he does like a 10-minute promo for Sabu and being an icon and music plays. It, it was crazy. It's your normal Matthew Justice stuff. How'd you feel about the match? He is such a legend. I th- This was the most brutal match of the night without question. Agus Kogar is now in that weird Stone Cold Steve Austin role. That if you think about it, he's supposed to be the heel, but the crowd is behind him no matter what he does. So... If I'm GCW, I really got to say, just let him roll and, and let him keep doing what he's doing. Matthew Justice, like I said, is an, he's absolutely insane. He's a psycho. I love it. And some of those shots, I was like, my God, how is he getting up? Like, he should not be moving. Absolutely. Next up, we had a tag team competition. The Legends, Two Cold Scorpio and Ricky Morton yeah. taking on Bussy. Of course, that's Alley Catch and Effie. And in fact, Effie is fine. Mm-hmm. This match got 14 minutes and 56 seconds, sorry. At the end of the day, Bussy wins the match. Uh, let's talk about the match first. Good match. Great tag match. We've seen all four of these moving parts before. We've seen Alley Catch in singles matches against Ricky Morton and Two Cold Scorpio. And we've seen Effie in tag ma- in singles matches with the two. So putting all four together. Uh, very Still very impressed by Two Cold Scorpio and GCW. Uh, just kind of having a rebirth. Even as he gets a little older, uh, the Legends department is not lacking. Very good match, in my opinion. No, a very solid match. And like you touched upon, too, they're having like a renaissance tour going on between Ricky Morton and Two Cold Scorpio. Whenever they're in GCW, they're putting on great matches. And you would think that like they'd slow down, but I mean, they can still go at this age, which I mean, I'm so impressed with. I agree. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the match, Effie gets the microphone. Continues to cut promos on he's not going to serve these clout vampires with his organic (laughs) indie wrestling blood. And so, no, Jeff Jarrett, he doesn't give a shit about your challenge. We're going to move on. Of course, the next night, something might change. Mm -hmm. It's time for the main event of the evening, and the main event is for the GCW Ultra Violent Championship, and it is a fucking death match. Yeah. Debuting. For his first time in GCW, a man who's gotten a big name in the deathmatch community, Hoodfoot, mm-hmm. as he challenges your GCW ultraviolet champion and three-time in a row tournament of survival winner, Alex Colon, possibly the best there is after he beat John Wayne Murdoch. Yeah. This match got 16 minutes and 18 seconds at the end of the day and still GCW ultraviolet champion, Alex Colon. But the takeaway here is Hoodfoot impressed a lot of people. Uh, he does what he does. First of all, Hoodfoot wrestles in regular wrestling gear for death matches. Yeah, that's wild. And he is known to bleed a lot. And he did. The sickest part of this match came as uh, Alex Cologne broke out two things of salt that he then proceeded to rip open and dump over the head of Hoodfoot after he was cut up from glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made me sting a little bit. But at the end of the day, Alex Cologne pulls it off. How'd you feel about the main event death match for the GCW Ultra Violent Championship? Absolutely solid match. I mean, what can you say about Alex Cologne? I mean, he he's approaching like that level where who's left to face him? 
Like, that's where I'm kind of sitting there watching work. I mean, he does fantastic stuff in the ring, but it's getting to the point he's cleaning the entire division out. So, I mean, is somebody going to step up and really surprise him? That's what I'm waiting to see about this. Agreed. I, I can't wait. Uh, but it was a good night of action. Top to bottom, I thought most notorious in Detroit on Friday was a super solid thing of action. I also would like to make note, during the intermission, they brought back playing video packages, yeah. which was nicer than just watching the counter. Yes. Uh, so I did enjoy that. And the video packages have been top, ni- top notch. Of course, if you don't know, John Carlo, who is one of the partners with Brett in GCW, formerly worked for World Wrestling Entertainment. He is the one that puts together all the video packages, including that amazing video package for Alley Catch to announce her Ruby Soho match. He does great work. He does an amazing job, and we got to see a lot of those great pieces as they are building, of course. This is the road to World on GCW this upcoming Sunday. But we had one more stop on the road to World on GCW at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And that, of course, was on Saturday, my birthday, January 15th. And we were watching here. It came on at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which would be 8 p.m. Central Time. And it was from Hoffman Estates, Illinois, at the, uh, sorry, Grand Sports Arena, of course, Chicagoland. Mm -hmm. It's right outside of Chicago. And uh, this is another great card. Of course, it was the the title of the title. the, The title of the show, sorry, was Say You Will. So GCW Say You Will. And it opened up as most GCW shows do, with the iconic GCW special six-way scramble match tonight. They did not add a man. And I'll just give you the other thing. Gringo Loco, the base god, wins another one as he defeated Alex Zane, Dante Leone, Dark Sheik, Nick Wayne, and Ninja Kamikaze Mac. Eight minutes, 54 seconds. And just like the night before, some crazy-ass spots. At the end of the day, Gringo Loco, 2-0. On this weekend in the Midwest, in the six in the in the scramble matches, dope match to open up the show, man. And he's on fire this weekend. Uh, we're going to be seeing him. At, uh, we'll talk about him in the main event uh, when we talk about World on GCW because he's definitely going to be at the Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. But a great match, great way to open it, gets you right away. Next up was a dream match of sorts, uh, making his GCW debut. Impact Wrestling superstar and independent superstar. Let's be honest, he's been around for a while, making some huge noise. Speedball Mike Bailey, yeah, goes one on one with six oh seven TWS's favorite asshole. That match got twelve minutes and four seconds. Our favorite asshole Tony Deppen wins the match, mm-hmm. but Speedball Mike Bailey super impressive in his GCW debut. He looked fantastic. But when you're in the ring with Tony Duppin, you got to bring your A game, and they did. I mean, this was a classic match. Like I say, I couldn't really find anything wrong with this. Next match was a match we were looking forward to that had major implications. The man who never technically lost the Ring of Honor World Championship, Bandito, Mm -hmm. finally made his return to GCW, and he took on Blake Christian, the man who will be taking on Jonathan Gresham at World on GCW for the Ring of Honor World Championship. This match got 19 minutes and 10 seconds. At the end of the day, Blake Christian defeats Bandito 1-2-3 in the middle of the ring. And getting that momentum going into world on GCW. I just got to throw this out there. This match was good. Mm-hmm. However, I thought there was some miscues yeah, along the way. Especially the ending. Uh, the ending looked weird, and then when we saw the, the 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 replay, I thought it looked a little better, just because I think I missed part of it because we, we were watching back and forth at this point juncture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were some times in the match where I thought that they weren't quite quite quick clicking enough. It made it took it down a little bit, but I still thought this overall was a very good match. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, Blake Christian, what can you say right now? Probably the hottest wrestler on in the indies right 
Once again, I've said it before and I'll say it again. He says he wants to prove that he's the best in the world. And then he goes in the ring and proves it each and every time. Yeah. The next match, though, interesting enough, Jonathan Gresham put the Ring of Honor world title on the line against the legendary two cold Scorpio. And at the end of the day, 13 minutes, 58 seconds, Jonathan Gresham is still your Ring of Honor world champion. And he defeated two cold Scorpio. And once again, I think a lot of people sleep on the old man, Too Cold Scorpio. I thought this match was super solid. And once again, Too Cold, man, stepping up, looking like a rest, looking like a rejuvenated young wrestler and not the man who's been wrestling now for 30-plus years. No, absolutely. He definitely brought his A-game for Gresham. And what can you say about Gresham? Gresham is probably the best wrestler in all of professional wrestling right now. By the way, of note, this was a dream match for Jonathan Gresham. Very happy that GCW provided to him and uh, very respectful. But after the match... Like Christian got in the ring. Yeah. We got the stare down. There was a little handshake. It was sportsmanlike. But then we got the belt held up and the two men staring down. They're getting ready for their big showdown. But of course, we'll be talking about it after these shows. There was still one more title defense that Jonathan Gresham still could have lost the Ring of Honor title. Mm -hmm. Did he? We'll find out in a minute. Next up, though, we had for the GCW Extreme Championship, your champion, PCO, <laughs> defending against. Black Death, the motherfucking, motherfucking truth. A.J. Gray. And after 14 minutes and 50 seconds, A.J. Gray became your new GCW Extreme Champion. Of course, this is on the heels of PCO signing a deal with Impact Wrestling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one, uh, I did not know about the deal signing before this match. So when it happened, I was like, wow, this is a big move, and especially for A.J. Gray. This is going to be absolutely crazy for him going into this weekend. So, you know, solid match all around. Definitely excited to see what's coming in the future for him. Well, uh, we had a little, uh, we had another Matt Cardona match. Of course, before the match, Matt Cardona came out with Chelsea Green. And to make things better, the ECW TV title he dropped in a garbage can. Yeah. <sighs> Which, of course, was a replica anyways, but whatever. Yeah, still. And then he, he, then he took on Ricky Morton. And this match had was five minutes and fifty three seconds. And by the way, the old man schooled Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona took his eye off the ball, and he got rolled up. Schoolboy one two three. Ricky Morton defeats Matt Cardona in Chicago for the big upset. I was gonna say, is he now new champion? I mean, he could make a claim for it, I guess, if he wanted to. But yeah, surprising ending for this one. Definitely uh, did not see this coming. After the match, of course, Matt Cardona acted like he was, uh, uh, you know, like, hey, you're an inspiration, da-da-da-da. Went to shake his hand and then, of course, beat down Matt, uh, beat down Ricky Morton. And this brought out the bad boy, Joey Janela, who most people thought was in Orlando, Florida, mm -hmm. for filming for Dark. Must have caught a flight. Joey Janela comes out for this save and basically tells Matt Cardona he's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, we'll go into a world on GCW because there's more that happened with those two gentlemen building up to their match at World on GCW. Mm -hmm. uh, in between here, we had uh, we had Matthew Justice come to the ring <laughs> to uh, basically do Matthew Justice crazy shit and said, hey, I don't have any partners, but I said I was going to beat up 440, so get your bitch asses out of here. So that brought out Atticus Coger, Gregory Iron, and the Bev, Bobby Beverly. And uh, yeah, they surrounded and tr tried started beating up Matthew Justice, and then out came Jordan Oliver to make the save. But then they got the upper hand there, and that then brought out the one called Manders 
to even up the odds. And the 440 boys started to pack up, except for they had, they thought they were going to come back in the ring. And the only one that slid back in was Gregory Iron. So Gregory Iron proceeded to take finisher after finisher after finisher, because that is what happens to Gregory Iron. Facts. Make the crowd happy. There was no match, but it was just a little fun spot to have 440 out there against Matthew Justice. Of course, the long feud between Atticus Coger and Jordan Oliver, and of course, one call Manders, member of the SGC. So, yeah, definitely was a cool moment to see Manders back, and uh, you know, I was surprised to see Jordan Oliver out there with him, but it made sense though. Well, the next match we got, we didn't know if we were going to get her or not because you never know with right. Kylie Ray, but Kylie Ray made her return to GCW, and she took on Allison Catch. This match got 18 minutes and 40 seconds. At the end of the day, Ali Catch goes into Hammerstein with a big win over Kylie Ray. This was a decent match. Um, I understand that some people were disappointed in this match. Uh, the crowd in attendance, because we're going to address that after these events, was kind of not with this match, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that moment, you know, after we're done. But uh, overall, I thought it was still a decent match. I thought that they uh, the chemistry in the beginning was a little off, but as the match went on, I thought they 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 fucking gave it their all and it was a good match. Once they got going, it became a good match. But you're right; at the beginning of this, their timing was off. They just weren't gelling. It it wasn't living up to the hype for it. But once they got into a good rhythm, it really picked up steam, and I thought it was a very solid match. Absolutely. Well, next up was the main event, technically the main event of the show. There is one other match that went on that we'll talk about after. But the main event of uh, Say You Will was for the GCW World Tag Team Championships. Them boys, Jay and Mark the Briscoes, defending the GCW World Tag Team titles against former GCW World Tag Team Champions, the Rejects, John Wayne Murdoch, and Reed Bentley. Yeah. This match got 15 minutes and 34 seconds at the end of the day, and still the GCW World Tag Team Champions. Damn boys, we'll talk about after the match in a minute. But all I have to say is, in the beginning of this match, light tubes get involved with the Briscoes. There is blood early, and how fucking crazy are the Briscoes? They're insane. I mean, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley are known as deathmatch wrestlers. The Briscoes aren't really known as deathmatch wrestlers, but they didn't mind scrapping it up. I don't think, if, if you tried saying would they do a death match, I don't think the Briscoes would hesitate to say, yeah, they're in. I mean, they got right into the light tubes and took the light yeah, tubes. Yeah, they definitely made their presence felt early with that. And I was like, okay, this is this is going to go one of two ways. We're either going to have a crazy death match or we're going to have a crazy match. We got it. Yeah. And they definitely had some fun with this one. Well, the Briscoes at the end of the day come out on top. After the match, they show some respect to John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley because it was a great match. I thought it was a lot of fun. Very hardcore elements. And then they said what they've said before. We're the GCW World Tag Team Champions. We're the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. We've beaten everybody. There's nobody left. But we like to fight. So we are going to be at the Hammerstein. We don't have an opponent. So what we're going to say is anybody who wants to step in this ring and get their ass beat by the Briscoes, show up to the Hammerstein. We'll put the belts on the line. And we'll do this damn thing. I mean, open challenge for the Hammerstein ballroom. Once again, we'll talk about that in the main event, but obviously there's three letters that are on everybody's mind and that is F T R. Mm -hmm. We'll find out, but we will talk more speculation about world on GCW in 
the main event of the show. Uh, there was one more match that finished out the night that was free on the YouTube channel, for on Game Changer Wrestling's YouTube channel, because it was the Marcus Crane Memorial Death Match. Uh, they called it also a 666 Death Match. And uh, Jimmy Lloyd defeated Alice Cologne and Nate Webb, who was actually filling in for Schlack. Uh, the match got 7 minutes and 44 seconds. Really good match. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd coming out on top. Maybe getting himself a shot at the uh, GCW Ultraviolet Championship. Although that won't be at Hammerstein because no death matches in New York. But in the future, does this line him up for a GCW Ultraviolet title shot against Alice Cologne? I would have to think so. I mean, it's kind of uncertain waters there. I'm not sure who's going to be the next opponent. But this would make sense for a storyline purpose. I agree. And you know what? Overall, it was a great card. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to check out the Deathmatch, if you're into Deathmatch Wrestling, Game Changer Wrestling on YouTube for free. You can check that one out. The rest of the card, man, if you didn't order and watch it live, I say go ahead and watch it both nights. Very good action. I was not disappointed with these cards. I have yet to be disappointed with the GCW card, quite frankly. And uh, not just blowing smoke up anybody's ass. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth. And I think they pulled it off again. How was your feeling on the GCW road to G- World on GCW weekend? I thought for the go-home shows, they were solid. I mean, I wasn't expecting too much of a crazy upset to see. I think they were just trying to tie up some loose ends before going to Hammerstein. And then after that, it's kind of like we have more questions than we do answers, but I don't mind it because you know with the pay-per-view, they're going to pull out all the stops. And we uh, did forget to mention, after the Alley Cash match, Alley Cash cut a great promo about her going to Hammerstein. Jeff Jarrett came out, hit her with a guitar. Well, there was a little bit of back and forth before he hit her with a guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, drug her around the ring by the guitar. Yeah. And was standing over her. And, of course, we will talk about what that means in the main event. But, interesting, I, we should have pointed out Jeff Jarrett did do that. So, yeah. I mean, GCW... Not only are they got the young wrestlers out here in the independents, but on night one, you have Sabu and Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. And then in the ring, you have Rhino. So some some legends of the business, especially for Detroit. And then on in Chicago, you know, Jeff Jarrett shows back up with his The Law gimmick, if you will. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's an interesting thing to see for GCW because they really have something for everybody. They're really the true alternative to what you're seeing on Monday and Wednesday nights. Everybody wants to be in GCW now. There was a point in juncture where people were shitting on the company. There was a point in juncture where people didn't want to work for GCW. There was a point in juncture where they said it was trash wrestling. Now the wrestling world, including legends, want to be a part of Game Changer Wrestling. And I, for one... I'm all for it because that just means good things for us fans who watch. And once again, I've said it before. I'm not a fan that says you can't get on the train. I want to welcome everybody on. However, I'm going to now take a moment to make a caveat to that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this past weekend, there were some issues. And I'm not going to bring up the exact Twitter things because I don't want to bring any fucking... I don't want to give any anybody any clout-chasing fucks uh, for, for the bullshit that they pulled up. But I'm going to mention some things. Yeah. So I guess during the both in Detroit and in Chicago, different things happened at each. I, I believe in Detroit, uh, there were some transphobic things being said during the Dark Sheik Tony Deppen match, mm-hmm. uh, which of course, if you don't know, uh, Dark Sheik is a transgendered mm-hmm. performer. She is very talented, and we should judge her on her talents in the fucking ring, absolutely, which is second to none. Mm-hmm. So that's sickening to begin with, and I hate the fact that somebody's disrespecting a talented athlete. And then on night two in Chicago, I guess the crowd wasn't super happy with the alley catch Kylie Ray match and started making not just cat calls at the ladies, but we're also making something about uh, Kylie Ray's eating disorder. Yeah. 
if I'm not mistaking. Some people on the internet decided to point this out, which is fine. But then they took it too far, in my opinion, and said that, wow, this is the culture that GCW is obviously going for. Which Brett Lauderdale, to his credit, said, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. As we grow, unfortunately, there is a small portion of the audience that are assholes. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But as we grow, that's how it's going to be. And we will take care of it. If you have a problem, I am approachable at any show. If you tell me there's a problem, I will fucking take care of it. He pointed out in particular that in Chicago, the the the, the people who were really giving shit to Kylie Ray, himself, John Wayne Murdoch, Reed Bentley, and a few other guys made sure that those people were out of the fucking building because they caught him, but they said mm-hmm. anybody could do. What started this whole thing where people were like, well, what if people don't want to come up to you and da-da-da-da-da? Well, first of all, folks, if you have a problem at a GCW show, GCW is a very fan-oriented show. It's a very fan-oriented uh, company. You can message them on any, any of the platforms right. that they're on, and they're on all the platforms. If you were to send them a DM or a message, I guarantee they would come take care of it. So you don't have to even go up and find him. But Brett is super easy to find. He is always accessible. I know this because I see and talk to him at every fucking show. And the other thing is their security is approachable and easy to find. Mm-hmm. If you can't find Big Vin, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're looking for. Because right. Big Vin is super fucking easy to find. And I guarantee if you told him that some fans were being assholes, Big Vin would go take care of it. Hell, there's a certain amount of the GCW fanhood, including myself. If you came and saw me, and you know what I look like, because obviously I'm on camera, and if you don't, if you're listening to this on podcast form, just look it up on Twitch, and you can find out what I look like. I'm a large gentleman that's easy to fucking spot. Come find me, and I'll take care of it, or message me, and I'll fucking take care of it. And I trust me, I'll have the carte blanche to do so. Oh, yeah. I don't work for the company, but I'm there, and people know who I am. And I know other fans that would have no problem jumping in to remove some mm-hmm. problems. And I know Brett and the rest of the GCW staff would have no problems with people being removed. Yes. This is fact. And if you and if you don't want to go see Brett, I'll go for you. I'll, I'll stand in the place and go, go up to Brett, and I guarantee it'll be fucking taken care of. But here's the problem, folks. You cannot blame a company... For the assholes who come to see it. It's just not fair. It's not they don't know at the door that somebody's gonna be a scumbag or an asshole. Just like in AEW, they don't know what asshole fans are gonna be. The guy that had the sign in the front row. AEW didn't know about that. The guy wrote that sign in his seat. Yeah. They took care of it after they saw it. But it's not fair to blame AEW for that, right? I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. I don't blame AEW for some fucking fan. Because they didn't know. Just like it's not like it's not fair to blame WWE for that fan that jumped the barricade and attacked Seth Rollins. It is fair to blame the security team mm, at oh, sure, the sure. fucking Barclays because that's not the first time a fan at the Barclays has jumped in. Might I say Bret Hart Hall of Fame? Yes. So the security at the Barclays needs to get their shit together, but that's the building security. But it's not fair to criticize the companies on those things because it's not their fault. They can't control those fans. Trust me, WWE doesn't want some crazy fan jumping a barricade. Just like AEW doesn't want some transphobic piece of shit in the front row holding up a sign. Mm-hmm. Just the same as GCW and Brett Lauderdale don't want some fucking pieces of shit who are being transphobic or are uh, being rude to women or whatever else they're doing in the crowd either. Nobody wants that. And the fans don't want that either. But you can't stop that certain thing. And we said in Atlantic City we heard some things. But it wasn't from 
from the GCW faithful, the people I see at a ton of shows. It wasn't from them. And I'm not saying that I'm against new fans coming in, but once you grow, you are going to add assholes in it. It becomes from this small community of fans, and that small community grows and grows and grows, and that's the only way something like GCW happens. Eventually, as you grow, it's going to bring in people who, who are assholes, who are pieces of shit. Who don't who the the company and the real fan base don't agree with, and most people at home don't agree with. But mm-hmm. it's unfair to blame the company. I can stand in and say, without a with a hundred percent guarantees, that if anybody, Brett can't hear and see everything. If he sees it and he hears it, which happened with the one fan, he, mm-hmm. he he offered it up. He'll take care of it. But if he doesn't, find him. He's not hard to find. Message him. I guarantee if you message him on Twitter during that show. He will go take care of it. Find security. They're not hard to find. Grab MLJ. MLJ usually stands out in the crowd during the fights. Grab MLJ. MLJ will take care of it. There's so many people around that you that you see. Once again, if I'm at the show, if it's in Atlantic City and I'm there or New York or wherever we might travel, if you know I'm going to be at the show, find me. I'll take care of it. Message me. Even if I'm not, hit up 3 Fat Nerds Pod on Twitter or whatever, and I will message Brett. I have no problem doing that if you if you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself. But you, if you don't tell anybody, how's anybody supposed to know? And I understand it sucks, but you can't... If everybody is chanting and yelling, nobody knows who the culprit is necessarily. If somebody has a sign like the asshole on AEW that we kind of didn't talk about for that reason, yep. it's easier to see him and go, hey, get the fuck out. But I just don't think that it's fair. And even, even and I got to give a shout out to Dark Sheik, she wrote a very nice tweet. Uh, someday QMOP Annie up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I, I will fuck. I, I, dude, if I'm there, I'll remove them myself. I guarantee Brett will not have a problem with it. I'm sure he would I guarantee Brett will not have a problem with it. Because they don't tolerate that kind of culture down there. No, you're, it's bullshit. You're supposed to go there and be a fan and be respectful. To sit there and do any other kind of bullshit, fuck you. Like, you're not supposed to be doing any kind of shit like that anywhere. Yeah. And, and seriously, to to try saying, oh, this is GCW's encouraging this, get the fuck out of here. No major wrestling organization with any kind of dignity and respect is encouraging this kind of behavior. Oh, and the dude. biggest thing that you can do as a fan is if you see it, call it out, get the security team over there, and handle it. And that doesn't just go for GCW. That That's goes if you're at everywhere. an AEW show. It goes if you're at any show. I, I really, 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 really uh, want you guys to make sure you do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have it up, but I'll just tell you, uh, Dark Sheik did put out a statement and said that she's very thankful to GCW Wrestling, that they stand by her and book her and put her in favorable positions to go out there and represent. And she understands that because they partner with her and because they stand by her, that they are going to have shots taken at them. And that wasn't actually directed at the people yelling shit at her. It was directed at the people who were blaming GCW for somebody else. That's so fucking stupid. And it's they, bad I'm... that Dark Sheik herself has to come out and say, hey, guys, I these are my friends. Yeah. They are helping me. Can we just let that be? And I just want to get that out there. So I want to shout it out. And like I said, I, 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 will, I, will, I, I will even clear it with Brett, but I'm telling you we will have no problem. If you ever have a problem at a Game Changer wrestling show, Find Brett Lauderdale, message Brett Lauderdale mm-hmm. on social media, or or find security, MLJ, whoever, go up to the commentating table and tell KG. 
I don't give a fuck if he's commentating or not. KG will stop what he's doing to take care of it. Yeah, they will handle this. He will get whoever needs to be handled. There's plenty of people. If you don't feel comfortable even do that, hell, fucking if I'm there, find me or message me. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not there, I will message Brett myself and say, hey, there's a fan. And they say there's a problem over here. And trust me, he'll come fucking take care of it. But to blame them is fucking so stupid. Uh, I, this is like trying to, to wrap in my head that you're going to blame them for like, no, if you're seeing this happen in the crowd, if you're seeing this happening anywhere, call it out, get the proper people over there and get it handled. Don't sit there and just whip your phone out and tape it. Do something about it. And I'm also not saying commit crimes, but if you right. are in the crowd and you're a fan there, fucking say something to the asshole. The asshole, if some asshole says something, just call them out. Because trust me, most of those people, they're not going to fucking say shit back to you. They're either drunk and running their mouths or they're pieces of shit that aren't tough. So all you have to say is, hey, asshole, shut the fuck up. Mm -hmm. And then you can either, if the guy doesn't choose to shut up, say something. Or, you know, I'm not saying violence. No. I'm not saying to go to jail. I'm just saying, just tell the motherfuckers to shut up. If I see that shit at a wrestling show, I'll tell somebody to shut the fuck up. Got no problem with it. There ain't no place for it. No place. Agreed. But let's move on. Let's move on because uh, Jonathan Gresham has a new project that he started up. And then finally in the uh, opening bout, we're going to run through this real quick. That is Terminus. Uh, they fir- they had their first show, uh, which was uh, named All Roads Lead Here. It's uh, Terminus Modern Age Grappling. It went down on Sunday, the 16th of January from the Salvation Army K-Rock Atlanta in Atlanta, Georgia. Hmm. So. Pretty cool. They had Dave Prazak, Lenny Leonard, and Matt Taven on the call. Oh, wow. So uh, let's go through it. Uh, first match, we had uh, Lee Moriarty defeated Josh Woods in 8 minutes and 54 seconds. This was a replacement. Jay Lethal was supposed to be there. Yes, and, and, uh, and he couldn't make it. So Lee Moriarty, uh, Josh Woods stepped in, and him and Lee Moriarty had the match. All right. Lee Moriarty, what can you say about him? And Great replacement if you have to replace Lethal, too. We had a terminal eliminator four-way match, so it was an elimination-style match. Daniel Garcia defeated Adam Priest, Invictus Cash, and JDX in 12 minutes and 24 seconds. By the way, Daniel Garcia eliminated each and every one of them. Lusa's Terminus was so good. Uh, next up, we had a singles match. Mike Bennett defeated Moose via DQ in 6 minutes and 38 seconds. Nice. Followed by, uh, this was another match that we were supposed to get somebody else, but we got a good one. Diamante defeated Janai Kai, 7 minutes and 25 seconds. Janai Kai put on one hell of a show, showing people why she's an up-and-coming uh, star in the business. We get to see her a lot in the GCW-JCW mm-hmm. family. Uh, in the Impact Digital Media title match, Jordan Grace defended her title against Kiera Hogan in 8 minutes and 18 seconds. I did Very get, good match. I did get a chance to catch this one. This was a phenomenal match. Next up, Bandito defeated Baron Black in 14 minutes and 5 seconds. Okay. Another good match. Uh, we had a tag team match. Dante Calibre, uh, Ka- Caballero sorry, and Joe Keys defeated Fred Yehi and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams in 14 minutes and 26 seconds. This was also a match that was changed around. Uh, but once again, did not disappoint. Not disappointed that we didn't get you know what we were going. But the main event of the evening, I got to give a big shout out here for the Ring of Honor world title in a pure rules match. Jonathan Gresham did defend the belt, so he is still there for the Hammerstein because he defeated the walking weapon, Josh Alexander. Double pin, 16 minutes and 52 seconds, by the way. So it was wow. a little, little, uh, little uh, controversy because it wasn't yeah. a clean win. But technically, Jonathan Gresham is still champion, so that makes him the winner in my book. But it was a double pin. Both men were pinned down. 
So we're going to have to run this back at some point in juncture, I'm assuming. Uh, Lou says easy Gresham and Alexander. I also say Gresham and Alexander was a phenomenal match. And then if you hear the story about it, it's even better. Josh Alexander's flight got canceled. He hmm. drove 14 hours Holy to Atlanta smokes. because he wanted to have this match. Wow. Stand-up guy is Josh Alexander. Yeah, that's what I was just talking about. Yeah, flight was canceled. He drove 14 hours to wrestle Jonathan Gresham in Atlanta, Georgia for the Ring of Honor. <sighs> but the match did end in double pin, so I'm assuming we'll run that back. But in my eyes, Jonathan Gresham still the winner because he's still the champion. Yeah, from what I've heard, this was a solid card. Unfortunately, I was streaming with Cheers the Comics, so I did not get a chance to catch this live except for the one match. But I'm definitely excited to check this out. From all I've been hearing about this, Terminus, I know on paper I'm excited to see what the card was going to be, and it, it seems like it's delivered on all fronts. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. I, I watched it uh, while well, I was watching it in between watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I had it on the iPad, and I was watching – or no, watching said wrestling, wrestling, watching football. We were watching the playoff game because uh, – kid's a Steelers fan right. and stuff, so we were watching playoffs, and I had it on my iPad. I was watching it in between, and then I went back and watched uh, some of the stuff I missed. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, thankfully, I had a day off from work today, so I got to go back and watch it. I love the, the thing. Terminus is going to be back on the 24th of February for their second event, so please keep your eyes out for it. If you can, you can still on Fight.TV order the first Terminus event. It's worth the, re- the watch. Also, be prepared. 24th of February, Terminus returns for their second show. So nice. There you go. Well, with that being said, that is going to take us out of the opening bout. Long opening bout this week. We're going to take a brief break. You are going to hear our good friend, Tom Jolu. The song that you are going to hear is when life gives you lemons, have a party. Yeah, uh, you can find so Tom Jolu's music anywhere. You find great music, YouTube music, Spotify, Bandcamp, and more. And you can also find it over at odphpodcast.com and 8122productions.com. There's links to it. Also, I would like to point out, if uh, you are watching on YouTube, you are going to see the advertisement, if you will, for the ODPH, which gives you all the nice links and everywhere to go. When we come back, though, we're going to be in the mid-card. We're going to be talking about some rumor and innuendo news in AEW and a little bit of WWE news right after this break. card of the show and uh hopefully i don't go off too much because i uh swallowed some bang energy drink down the wrong way. 
Oh, sorry about that, guys. That's why we're live. Jesus. Oof. Man, I'm having a bad luck with uh, swallowing uh, liquids down the wrong pipe these days. Good Lord. <clears throat> we got a lot to talk about. You know you're getting excited <laughs> to bring it to the mic, so I, mean, I understand. Yeah. That's what I get for asking you questions while I'm mid-sip. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, let's open up, because then I can uh, kind of turn it over to you a little bit, so sure. I can kind of get myself up. Let's open it up. <laughs> Damn, I'm, excuse me. I'm very sorry. I'm trying not to choke, I promise you guys. With uh, something that Sean Ross Sapp and a lot of people are reporting, and that is Cody Rhodes is a free agent working without an AEW contract. Uh, you want to touch on yeah, this? Let me, yeah, let me this, touch so. upon this. So, yeah, this, this story is breaking. It's rumored that Cody is working without a contract. And is there any stock into this? That's the question I'm asking the chat. I'm asking you listening when you catch us on podcast form. I don't know if there's any stock with this. I mean, it, we know that the Young Bucks resigned with the company, and uh, they haven't really said anything to my knowledge about Kenny Omega resigning for the, you know, the quote-unquote EVP class. So if Cody is working without a contract, I think it's only a temporary situation. I can't see him going back to the E unless he's going to, you know, I, that would just be a complete 180 from what he's been talking, you know, in AEW. And then you have to factor in if he's going to try doing another promotion or, you know, like where else would he go at this stage? That's the thing. He's, he's supposed to be the quote unquote John Cena of AEW allegedly. So, I just don't see this being any stock. I think it's just being a little formality, maybe a power play for more money. I don't know. Well, I mean, of course, a lot of people will be out there like he's a VP. Uh, we found out not that long ago that they're only in VPs in name only. Yeah. Uh, just a way for them to get insurance, I'm assuming. Uh, Uncle Dave has a hot take, of course. Uncle Dave, by the way, says, okay, this is the situation. Almost everyone is avoiding me today. <laughs> How is that different than any other day? So either it's true and they are all mad it's out uh, out there, or it's a work and they don't want to to lie to me. One person near the top told me they thought it was a publicity stunt, but stressed they didn't know for sure. But one would think it was a big story internally, they would know. But there's the only person who would even talk to me today. Remember, as far as technical goes, if there was a new contract offer starting this year, Cody has not been there. If they expected to rectify that, on one five, he was to be there, came to Newark, got the call, and flew home before going to the building and hasn't been back. I know the health reason within the family was legit, so Sap's story could be correct. I'm guessing it is, but that's the situation. If he's not there Wednesday, it's a story. If anything changes, I'll update. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still, I just, I don't know about this one. I mean... Would it be something to try drawing some drama to his character? Sure, but I like I say, I just think at the end of the day, this is just all smoke and mirrors, pun intended. Pat says, would you really put it past him to be a free agent long enough to show up at the Rumble, only to re-up with AEW and gloat about it? I doubt it. I doubt he'll be at the Rumble, only because I think he burnt that bridge a long time ago. Yeah. And he's not a big enough star. Like, as, as much as it's going to fucking drive some people insane, WWE is not doesn't care about Cody Rhodes. If there was going to be an AEW guy in, like a real AEW guy in the Royal Rumble, it would either be John Moxley or Chris Jericho. Bottom line. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, for the people out there that believe that John Moxley isn't, we're going to get to that story in a second. Yeah, there is a possibility that that would be my home run pick because his contract lets him do some crazy shit. Uh, as far as like, <clears throat> as far as like a, like a real dream, it would be Omega. Yeah, but like. Even then, I don't think he's even back rehabbed yet. So, 
it's it's a thing with Cody Rhodes though. I just don't think WWE has any interest, especially. It's not like, <laughs> excuse me. It's not like he helped himself any with anything he had done. Hopefully, I don't die from all this. Jeez. Huh? Oh, uh, Lou says, "Could Cody go wrestle for the All Trinidad and Tobago TV title for <laughs> all I care?" <laughs> Points. I like it. Hold on. Let's. Uh, uh, did I move this around? I did move it around because now we have it here. I mean, you're not wrong, <laughs> but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good lord. It's an interesting story. Uh, I don't know if there's much truth to it. We'll be keeping our eye on it. Maybe next week we'll know more. Uh, but chances are, I think Uncle Dave may be actually kind of right. Mm-hmm. I bet he his contract wasn't signed. I bet you they were probably going to get together, and then there was a family emergency, so he didn't sign a contract. So I think he's only a free agent just because they didn't come together in person yet. Yeah. Although, you know, they like to do business over text messages, so God knows. <laughs> it, might be, it might be lost. It might be lost for all time. But speaking of breaking news, and we are going to be talking more about the match in the final, so let's not talk about the match. But seems like Uncle TK a little pissed off this week from what we're understanding because the news hit on Saturday before the GCW show that it was made official that at World on GCW, in the main event for the GCW World title, John Moxley will make his return to the ring to defend the title against the winner of the Battle Royal last month. Of course, that being Homicide, who will also be going into the inaugural class of the Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame the night before. Interesting stuff, but we're hearing that uh, TK wasn't too happy about the first appearance back being announced for GCW and not All Elite Wrestling, which means to me one of two things. They'll either hot shot him on television this week, mm-hmm. which still doesn't matter, right? or... Is the love relationship with the AEW over with Moxley, which is going to tie into our next story? What do you think? <sighs> I I got a feeling they're going to hot shot him. I I just have this sinking suspicion that with the amount of hype going into GCW this weekend, I think that every single organization is going to try stealing just a, just a little fraction of thunder. And I think that obviously with John Moxley, even though he's wrestled on New Japan Strong, like I think a lot of people forgot about. Yeah, but that was a pre-tape. I was always mistaking about that. They they had taped that previously. Oh, uh, okay. So then, then it I wasn't live. It that. was actually right before he went. But All yes, right. sorry. Then I think that was also that. my fault. I had to correct. I I, cor- I got corrected on that myself because I was like, oh yeah, it was pre-taped. Yeah. So, so he hasn't performed live technically since he's gone. So to since he hasn't been back, I mean, I'm sure AEW wants to have him back as being one of the franchise guys. So I'm going to say this: I don't doubt him showing up <laughs> on either Wednesday or Friday on TV this week. Just to so they can say, well, he's back. You know, our our champion or our guy is going to be going to GCW. They'll spin it some way like that. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Pat put on there, if I'm Cody, I don't show up Wednesday just to fuck with everybody. Well, either way, they're going to make it a storyline. Now, I would say. Oh, I think he's going to show up, and I think he's going to going to toy with the crowd and be like, well, you know, I got to think what I want to do. You know, I, I, <laughs> like I could see him trying to do like I lost my smile type thing and like sure. go away. Lou says a lot has changed since he left for rehab. He's no longer the big fish. Ego may be a bit bruised. That's true, or he might be. He might have saw the writing on the wall that some other people are seeing. We're going to talk about that in just two seconds. And you might be like, there's just too much saturation here. And, you know, he's more enjoying, and we, we made references before, his time at GCW. He enjoys his time for New Japan. I don't know if he's really enjoying it. Like, let's be honest. We've always said it on this show. John Moxley is a different wrestler for GCW and a different wrestler for New Japan, mm-hmm. but he try, he's just being Dean Ambrose, technically, for AEW. Yeah. And it's kind of a weird situation. So I don't even know that his heart was really truly into being at All Elite Wrestling other than the fucking cash. 
I think you know what I think it was. I think it's just a lot of people when they get out of WWE and you know he was fired up to do something different. We've all heard the Jericho podcast. I think it's just when you get over there, it's like sometimes when you think your dream is a reality, it just turns out to be a nightmare. And I think for him going there, he was expecting a lot more than it has happened. But I think the biggest problem that AEW's had is they keep signing more people. And more people means less TV time, and then you're not the hottest thing that's on their show. And I think that when he is not in that main event picture and he's doing tag teams with Eddie Kingston, which is fantastic work, it's nothing to, to you know take as a slight, I think maybe in his head he's thinking, well, you know, I I'm, I'm keep getting pushed down further on the card. What am I doing here? This isn't what I signed up for. I still think he's going to he, – I, I, until this upcoming last past week – I always was thinking it was going to be Chris Jericho at the Rumble because mm-hmm. I do think that there might be an AEW guy in there because they did work some business plans out. However, I'm really starting to believe it's John Moxley, especially since they've been using him in a lot of video packages. And let's not forget, his rehab was paid for by World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah. Which is really kind of... Also, it might have been... I, I got to... All right, listen. You know I don't like to do gossip and rumor stuff. But let's be honest. The man needed rehab. He needed help. He called... The WWE and they paid for him to be in a wonderful rehab, like mm-hmm. a real nice one. Yeah. Don't, did did TK not offer? Could that? And if he didn't, could that be a reason Moxley's like, well, wait a minute, these motherfuckers care about me and these ones don't. You never know. Yeah, that's. And yeah. I don't want. And once again, I don't have any inside. On right, that. right, right. No, I'm just I'm just spitballing out loud. The perception is, is reality. It, yeah. Is it the fact that maybe he went? And maybe if there is a reason, and like I said, his contract is kind of wonky. So there's no there's no guarantee that he is not uncontracted to not work for WWE without AEW. Mm-hmm. So he might just go, hey, you pay for my rehab. Let me show up at the Rumble. Whether it's in the Rumble match or involved in the Seth Rollins-Roman Reigns match. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it could be the perception is reality thing. I mean, like I say, allegedly, it's, it's but it yeah, it's hard to say, man. It says, until TK exerts more control, you are always going to be fodder for an EVP. I'm sure it rubs people the wrong way. But then again, you guys also remember, TK said that all those EVP bullshit talks are bullshit because they're just a name only. Mm-hmm. They have no power. That's what TK tells everybody. Yeah. I don't know what the story is. And, I, I, and here's what I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to believe that that's the true story because as bad as he mismanages his soccer team and his football team, I'm, I'm, I, just, I realize that Tony Khan is a horrible businessman. And he's a really shitty sports promoter. Mm. I'm sorry. Am no. I lying? No. I, 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 just look at the, the you, proof there. You've seen the fan reaction all over the place. Uh, Pat also said before that, sorry, I think Ken has a point with too much talent being in AEW because that's kind of where WWE was when he left. Exactly. And we've been talking about that for a while, that they're overly saturated. And every time somebody leaves, they should bring him in. They should bring... And I've said it before. The only way I would go to AEW if I was a wrestler right now is if I just want the paycheck. And let's dive into this story because this, I feel like this ties into everything we're talking about. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, we know that Kerry Silken, Ring of Honor, o- former Ring of Honor owner and president, uh, was backstage. There was a lot of photos of, uh, uh, at AEW. Yep. Uh, he said, sorry, give me a second. <clears throat> he went on to say in an interview that uh, this is an exact quote. So we'll read it just so verbatim. There are so many guys there. So many guys. I am not going to bring up any names, but there were guys that were flown in to do nothing. It was a very good vibe, but since I've been around the back for 20 years, wrestlers are always unconfident, worried about their spot. I could feel that going on. Certainly not with a Brian Danielson or Hangman Page, but there's a, just a lot of people there. End quote. 
And as somebody who spent time in the wrestling business as a booker, I will also give credence to what he said. Wrestlers as a whole usually are worried about their spots, mm-hmm. even on the independents. I know I've had plenty of conversations with guys. I used to have conversations with guys when we were in between shows. What can I do to improve my spot? What can I do to be used more? You know, what changes should I make, et cetera, et cetera. Those are smart people who try to get, you know, the insight. And then you would have guys on day of show complaining to me about what they were doing on the show. Yeah. Uh, that's just how a booker's life is. So, Kerry Silken, 100% correct. I have never met a wrestler who is not worried about their spot on a card. And when you're flying guys in who are there and do absolutely nothing, it's starting to sound like WCW pre-Eric Bischoff. And then after when the downfall came. Yeah. Because if you remember, pre-Eric Bischoff used to get those lines from the old timers telling the young guys, hey, it's a great deal here. Just go to the back of the locker room. Don't say shit. You won't have to work and you get paid. And then they started to make that mistake after they were beating Vince. They signed too many people. Mm-hmm. They were making that same mistake. There was a ton of guys on the card flying them into fucking TV and not using them. So here we are, Kerry Silken, not naming names, but saying, hey, there's tons of guys there. Didn't do a drop of work on any of the tapings while I was there. So they flew them in, put them up in hotels, because that's how you have to pay the trans. Yeah. They flew them in, put them in hotels. Some of them were sharing rental cars. So X amount of rental cars split amongst them. And doing nothing. And that's the cost. Yeah. And that's and then paying them. Yeah, it's... He, and, and I was led to believe in this statement later on that it was even guys who were hired as, like, extra talent. Hmm. So guys that weren't even under contract, they paid them to come in and do nothing. Pat says, it sounds like TK is applying action figure booking to real life, and that's fine and great if you're a kid in your living room, but in practice, it isn't practical. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good Lord. My problem is, is that these are the playbook mistakes that you make. But once again, you're talking about Tony Khan, who was paying football players to stay at home because they didn't like him. Mm. (laughs) We just saw one of them play in the playoffs for my team, Mm -hmm. the Raiders. I'm just throwing it out there. This guy has an MO that people don't understand. And I'm just saying he's not, it's not his dad. His money was not made by him. So yeah. let's stop acting like he's a good businessman. He's a kid that was born with a father who's worth $8 billion. And he pisses it all away on his sports teams and his, his wrestling stuff. That's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. That's why the company to his own statement is nine figures in the red. That's insane. He said that himself. Allegedly, he blamed it all on the video game, which is bullshit. Because if you spent that much on the video game, you'll never recoup it. Do we have an update on that? The video game? Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Can't tell you when it's coming out. Yeah. Don't know. Chad, if you know, let me know. AEW Games on uh, YouTube is now Adam Cole and company playing video games. Yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of fun because I saw uh, Eddie Kingston on it, but, you know, whatever. I I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it. And Kerry Silken, I kind of believe his words. Yeah, he I has do. nothing to, he's got no dog in this fight. He said the vibe was good and everybody's having a good time. Well, of course you are if you're getting paid to do nothing. Yeah, you're just getting paid to sit around and hang shit. out. You pay me to do nothing, I'm going to be fucking happier than pigs and shit right now. Yeah. We're going to have a good old time here at uh, 607 TWS. If anybody wants to do that, let me know. TK, I'm just saying, I, I, I'll take some of your money. Yeah, we'll hang out. I'll, I'll make you look like I'm doing something. <laughs> If you give me the book, I'll really do something. If not, I can just make it look like I'm doing something. I'm good at that. Uh, let's go back to Cody Rhodes for a minute. 
Cody Mertz was in the week, news this week for a different reason. <laughs> mm. I know you want to talk about this. He was appearing on wrestling with Brandon F. Walker. And uh, he allegedly was shooting here, by the way. <clears throat> and I quote, he says, I hate the four pillars. Not the actual idea, but the concept that he, meaning MJF, just went and decided to say, where are the four pillars? Without really confirming. The guy who said the four pillars thing, he was the most unknown one coming on board and literally was stuck to my side like a little baby because I knew him from the Northeast independent scene, mainly NEW from Mike Lombardi, where he he was getting paid like $15 a match. The next thing you know, he's treating it like he came in and he was told, hey, it's you four. He went on to say, no, when we all came in, it really was an artist hardest haven in terms of what you go out there and put on and that will determine it. We thought we had recruited really well, and I think we absolutely did, but you have to sink or swim. It's live TV. That's the thing. You'll find a lot of independent wrestlers, and they're great independent wrestlers. They're great at forming these really complex promos that they put in video packages and stuff like that. Put them on live TV. If they do well there, you, you've got a winner, and Max did in his defense. So at first, he bitch slaps his MJF. Yeah. <laughs> saying that, who the fuck is he? He's nobody but a baby on my side. And then later on says, yeah, you know, well, you know, he did get over. But he that's a little tack line on talking about the artist Haven. Now, with knowing what we know about this possible not signing, what is that? This is just sounding like somebody that's super jelly jelly, as you can say, a little jealous of not being the top face of the organization and not everything goes through him. This is the perception I'm getting, so this is just my opinion on this, that I think that if you're being this sour about MJF being over and the pillar statement and your fan base, which is supposed to be you know, the smart fan base that is really here for pro wrestling, if they're noticing this and you're the one outside looking in because they have turned on you because listen to the crowds, you really don't have a claim to make here. And just to say, though, well, the only reason MJF got over is because he was attached to you. No, he was a star in the making coming in. The fact that you gravitated towards him, I mean, you might have helped give him a little shine, but, I mean, MJF would have broke through on his own. I agree. And here's what I really take from this. And we could kind of mix it in with this uh, free agent talk. I don't think Cody Rhodes is happy that he isn't the star. Mm-hmm. I don't think Cody Rhodes... Is, ha- is he? I think he isn't happy that he's not the franchise player, if you will. Yeah. I don't think he's happy that when he comes out, he gets booed out of every arena, no matter what he does. It's driving him nuts, you can tell. I don't think he's okay with these ideas. And I don't think he's okay that guys like MJF and Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy and fucking Hook and Darby. Darby Allen and Hangman Page and the list goes on of the guys who have never wrestled for WWE that are AEW people that the AEW fan base, the actual diehards are clinging on to because those are the people they were excited for because your actual hardcore fan base, not the people that hate WWE because mm-hmm. those ones jumped on because Vince touched them or whatever. Okay. We we've gone over that a million times. I'm talking about the actual diehard fans. We've always said that they're probably right around 400 to 500,000. Mm-hmm. Those were all fans of new Japan pro wrestling and independent wrestling. 
And those people are also watching independent shows. A lot of those people, probably a portion of them, are watching GCW. A lot of them are still watching New Japan, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want that style of wrestling. Does that style of wrestling necessarily mix with a national market? Nah, well, not really. Yeah. And we're seeing that in the ratings numbers. But the problem is, is that guys like Cody Rhodes, guys like CM Punk, guys like even Brian Danielson, and yep, I'm throwing it out there, and Malachi Black and Andrade, to an ex- and mind you, this is all to an extent, these are guys who have national names working for the biggest wrestling company on the planet and as so feel that they should be pushed. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them because they're not wrong. Yeah. However, that is mixing the ideas of the diehard fans. The problem is diehard fans and the trolls, because the trolls will jump in on this, Yeah. know that it drives them nuts and they boo the shit out of them. Yeah, it's a little crazy about that. Oh, I did see it, Lou. Sorry, I'm going to come back to it. We were just talking about something else when you typed it out. So give me a second. I'll come to it. Uh, but I just wanted to finish this statement because it was we're going backwards for that. Um, I just don't know. I don't know anymore. I, I think this was really not a good look on Cody Rhodes. No, it definitely is It definitely screams that I'm jealous of MJF. And then you add into the punk, you know, everybody got, ooh, and punk was like, oh, the grass is greener, they'll fire. You'll be on the fourth day of a four-day event, blah, 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 the grass is greener. And he said all that because fucking MJF pointed out the obvious. You never made an event in WrestleMania, and that's what bothers you. Yeah. Once again, I will say it to, to like, the people who are diehard AEW fans or just are not happy with WWE and stuff, they think that punk is winning this microphone battle with MJF. For somebody like me who's worked in the business and have been a fan my whole life and I don't give a shit about pettiness, MJF is owning him. He's because every him. Because unfortunately for CM Punk, in AEW, they don't go over promos. So MJF is saying things, and if you look at the reaction of Punk, you can tell that he doesn't know what he's saying beforehand. Because Punk's natural reaction when he told him about it bothers, but the only reason you're being sour is because they didn't let you main event WrestleMania. Yeah. And when he said that, Punk's face went serious. Like he said something you should never say. It's almost like, you know, when Shawn Michaels back in the day did the uh, the bit with the Larry King thing for yep. Hogan and talked about him being old and a bad guy when he's <laughs> that the cameras are not. And Hogan got real mad about it in real life. Yeah. That's what Punk's doing. So Punk's fire back was four night extravagance. It's not, it's two nights. And you wish. I'm sorry. And and this is no shots at anybody. And you know I'm a fan of AEW. I'm a fan of all good wrestling. And I barely watch WWE. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest. WrestleMania is the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. It's a two-night event. AEW wishes they could sell out a 100,000-seat venue two nights in a row. Facts. When When they're not being able to sell out a 7,000-seat arena in the South. I was going to say. We saw the pictures from last week's Dynamite in North Carolina. Yeah. So... Guys, don't show it that. And uh, Lou says Punk works better as a heel anyway. He's not as good with a baby. It's true, but here's the problem. with, And I'm going to say this right now. And I've said it from day one. And I'm going to reiterate it right now. And then i got to go back to your point because I do want to talk about that for a minute. Uh, uh, the problem with Punk is everybody wants the fired up, fire in his belly CM Punk. And I think that guy's gone. We get happy to be here, Punk. Mm-hmm. He's getting paid a shit ton of money, and I'm just happy to be here. And he's telling the fans that he's there to put over the young talent. And if put over the young talent means pin them, then yes. 
Because if he was there to put over the young talent, he wouldn't have beat Darby Allen night one. Mm-hmm. If he was there to put over the new talent, he wouldn't be out here trying on the microphone to do everything to murder MJF and still not succeeding. Yeah. If he was there to put over the, the young talent, he would have lost to Wardlow after nine fucking power bombs, including one through a table. Instead, he Cody Rhodes his way out and won that match. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He's not there to put over young talent. He's there to make a fucking paycheck, and Tony Khan's paying him way too much money because the ratings don't 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 equal up to it. No. And that's my feelings about CM Punk. Uh, would I love to see CM Punk as a heel? If it brings back the fire and it brings back his in-ring, that's fine. But when he comes out there trying to pay homage to Sting but looks like the ultimate warrior if he wasn't on steroids, there's a fucking problem. Am I wrong? No, I mean, no. I mean, uh, technically, uh, that was very mean of me to say, but with the shit that the Ultimate Warrior said in his life, I feel cool shitting on him. Yeah, no, no. You, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Punk is just... The happy-to-be-here Punk is not clicking, and it's not the ratings winner that they thought they were going to get. I'd love to see him go back heel, but he has to go back to the CM Punk of Ring of Honor days, <laughs> the real heel CM Punk. Got to throw it out to Pat. He's going to get a point for this. Punk is any athlete... After they get the big contract, ain't doing shit. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> and you ain't wrong. But you didn't have to say it. I mean, but that's my feelings wrong. on CM Punk as a whole. But I mean, I mean, this was coming off. And this is as a company, Tony Khan should be reeling it in going, hey, my fan base wants Adam Page to succeed. My fan base wants MJF to succeed. My fan base wants Jungle Boy to succeed mm-hmm. and make that shit happen. Yeah. Instead, you know, we get some nonsensical because there's no booker. He needs a booker. Bottom line. Let's go back to the thing because I want to touch on this because Lou brought it up and I think this is cool. Uh, just going back to the game for a second. Last I heard, Omega wanted to bring back the AKI engine games. Oh, okay. The, think on 64. 64 area. Okay. That's what he said. But the company who owns the engine doesn't make games anymore, so there are licensing issues. Okay. But if you dumped all that money into it, I'm just saying, if you dumped all that money into it and, and you can't get the, the engine, that's weird to me. Plus, I don't know how that engine would look in the new age where we have games where they look realistic. Am I wrong? In no, no I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting one and one together here. Yeah. I, I'm sure they could do an updated version of it, but yeah, that's just, that sounds where they can't get the licensing issue figured out. Uh, Lou says, going back to CM Punk, Lou says they deluded him. He needs to be saved for big events. He shouldn't be in my opinion, wrestling Warlow on Wednesday nights. Anyway, he should be, uh, big event, major feud stuff. I mean, you're not wrong. Correct. Mm-hmm. But you didn't have to say it. I mean, good lord. But the problem is Tony Khan and AEW thought, like I thought and you thought and probably you, or and by you, I yeah, mean yeah. Ken, and probably Pad thought and Lou thought and everybody else thought that when he came in, the ratings would go to two million a week. And they didn't. They went the other way. Like, I, I really think that's why they're only using them on TV so much, because they're trying to milk the ratings for all they're worth to try to stay around that million number when they were getting it before. Yeah. So, whatever. Uh, Lou goes back and says, well, they would have to develop an AKI clone, which would take time if uh, Sin Sofia won't give it to them. Oh, that's who owns it. Uh, I, I agree. It's just, it's weird to keep promising something and dump, like, a shit ton of money into it, because allegedly that nine figures in the red is from a video game, which yeah. I doubt. I, I think it's it's I think it's bad money management from TK, but that's what he's blaming it on. Should they get it? Mm-hmm. And Pat says that's fine and dandy for Omega's wish list, but it's a development nightmare. Exactly. Yeah. Like the problem is you can't just go with what he wants. They should have sold the game rights and made money off of it. You know, like WWE is with 2K, and mind you, we understand that the last 2K game was shitty. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about 
battle. I'm talking about 2K20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. Does it really matter at the end of the day to WWE? They got paid. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't do your own games. <laughs> like 2K, 2K fucked it up and fans weren't happy and that's cool and all, but the uh, WWE still got paid. Mm-hmm. And that's why you license shit out. Because you still get paid. So if you have development problems, like right now 2K is having development problems, we know. Uh, that's why the game keeps getting pushed back. Mm-hmm. So we probably won't see 2K22 until, or it'll probably be 2K23 by the time 23 by the time everything's all probably won't, We probably won't see it until August, let's be honest. But once again, WWE gets paid no matter what because it's a licensing agreement. Right. Smart moves and you don't lose money. Once again, it's the same thing I've been saying about the merchandising shit for AEW2. They should do it in-house instead of through Pro Wrestling Tees. But I digress. Pro Wrestling Tees now gets a bigger cut than they do. Sad story. Sad but true. Lou says 2K keeps having to adjust the roster. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it. I mean, good lord. Yes and no, because I'll, th- I'll, I'll throw this out to you. Every year the game comes out, there's always people in the game that are no longer in the company. The best part about that is it's one less person I have to download from creative, the creations yep. on the universe because people are way better artists than I am. So whoever's left in the game that they didn't get rid of, I'll be happy for. <laughs> Says WWE 2K22 is the new NBA Live development hell. Yeah, it's also because uh, I, Lou is right. A lot of it's because they're removing people from the roster. But once again, some of them are going to slip through anyways because... Yeah. They're just going to get to a point. Like, They're going to get to a point. Out. And once again, that's what they do with the game every time. Mm-hmm. Think about it. If you go back, there's always people missing from the roster. Yeah. Which I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's what's going on. But yeah, you can definitely get points for that. But yeah, speaking of which, we got one piece of WWE news. Speaking of which, of course, that is we found this week that Mustafa Ali has asked for his release from World Wrestling Entertainment. And I, for one, applaud him. Yes. And I think it's the best decision for his career. Hear me out. Pocket-wise, no. Because just like we've heard about, like, because uh, I'm going to touch about, actually, we'll lump this in. Karrion Cross did a very popular interview, mm-hmm. infamous now interview this past week, where somebody said, oh, that horrible gimmick they gave you, and you, you know, you're, you're probably not never going back to WWE. And he was like, they called me tomorrow with an ID and a contract. I'm going back. And the guy was like, well, well how could that be? They, they mismanaged you. He goes, listen, that gimmick didn't work. But the financial well-being of myself and my family and that company offers that, I'll go back tomorrow. Well, what if they fire you again? So what? Yeah. <laughs> See, people don't look at wrestling as a business. Karrion Cross looks at it as a business. And I'm sure Mustafa Ali does as well. But here's the thing. He's also an artist. And I think the reason and the reason I'm applauding him above all else is he did it the right way. He did it respectfully. He said, hey, you're not using me. And I would like to do some things. So... Hey, let's release me, and if you have something for me in the future, cool. Yeah. If not, you did the MVP thing. And remember, MVP did the exact same thing to go to New Japan. Mm-hmm. Said, hey, guys, I have some opportunities. I could go work. And I believe Mustafa Ali will land doing NJPW strong. I believe you will see him possibly on Impact as well. And I believe that we probably will see him in GCW and other large indie fights if, if he gets released. You're going to see him in Johnny Gargano. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I think we will see him on New Japan Strong yeah. oh, I for think, sure. Yeah, this, I think that's, that's really where he wants to go. That's a lock. I think Impact will also make a deal with him because they work with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I really do think you'll see him at places like GCW, PWG, the bigger indie yeah, defense. GCW will be elite, but like I said, I think it's going to be him and Gargano there. Possibly, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Johnny Gargano thing, of course, the speculation is him going to AEW because they're doing that beach blast in the middle of fucking February from Cleveland. Yeah. That was dumb, but dumb name. But if even if it is, it's the reason I said. 
because then he can get a paycheck and then work the indies. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's going to work that deal with AEW, and it's smart. But for Mustafa Ali, I really do believe as a young, talented man who wants to wrestle, I think that he wants – I really believe because he's been talking a lot. Of course, Buddy Murphy, who he's friends with, Mm -hmm. is now working for New Japan. Yeah. So I don't think it's a, a stretch to see him going that same thing. He's probably been talking to him, and he's probably like, hey, man, come over, fucking wrestle, man. Yeah. And I think it's a smart move. And here's the thing. Because he did it the right way, if it'd be like an MVP situation. And fucking five years down the road, they might be like, hey, you got a management opportunity for you or whatever, and you're done wrestling, and now you're making money. MVP is proof of that. Yeah. No, he, he handled it the smart way. I mean, he didn't make a big fuss about it. I know – a lot of fans were, you know, really screaming about it. But listen, he's he's doing everything the smart way about it. I guarantee you he probably will get his release because he's asked very nicely for it. They're not using him on TV. I believe the last time was October. Yeah. So I'm sure that they were looking at a way to do it. And listen, when he gets out in the Indies, he's going to tear it up. Well, you know what the credit is? He's a talented enough guy that they at least kept him under contract. Mm-hmm. They've let a lot of people go. Yeah. So that tells me that WWE at least believes he's a talented man. I'm not saying they didn't think anybody else wasn't talented, mm-hmm. but they still feel that they think that they have something in him. Right. However, you know, Sammy Callahan did a similar thing, and it was good stuff. Think about it. Sammy, Sammy Callahan asked for his release, and he's always got that welcome back sometime. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't worked out because he's having too much fun and making good money and impact and running Wrestling Revolver, which had a great show this past weekend as well. Right. And so, you know, it is what it is, man. So I'm happy for Mustafa Ali. If this is what he wants, I can definitely see him wrestling for New Japan. Definitely see him wrestling for Impact. I think those are the two best homes for him for what he wants to do, especially because he has connections. Mm-hmm. So like I said, Buddy, you know, Buddy Murphy's working over at the uh, the New Japan Strongs. Yeah, he's we got have seen him in Impact as well. He's got a lot of opportunities, and you know, and I can't wait to see what he does next. Also, I wouldn't be surprised if Mustafa Ali doesn't start his own training school and his own indie fed. Yeah. Because I think he has a lot to give back. Just the, He seems like that kind of guy. So I'm proud of him, and I'm happy that he's doing things the right way. And like I said, it takes some balls to bet on yourself. But sometimes yeah. you got to bet on yourself. Facts. And uh, it pays off. Uh, Lou says, there's also Saudi to think about. That's why Mansoor will always have a job as long as WWE has that Saudi contract. That's true, but I mean, he doesn't really tie into that Saudi situation because he's, uh, he's not Saudi. Mm-hmm. I do believe he's from Jordan, correct? Or, sure. I mean, his lineage, I should say, is from I, Jordan. I, I think, think so. I think it's from, I, I could be wrong. Which is close, it's over in the Middle East. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just happy for the guy. If that's what he wants to do, I'm happy for anybody. But I really could see him plying his trade. So all the people instantly jumped down and was AEW. It's like, man, he's not going there. Yeah. He's not that kind of guy because he doesn't, I think he wants to wrestle. Yeah. Why yeah. would you go to another company where you're not wrestling? Where you're going to get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it makes no sense. None. Oh, yeah, he does work with Mansoor there, yeah. But that's because, you know, that's fan favorite shit. Mm -hmm. But Mansoor wins. (laughs) Because if you think about it, uh, they're very, what's the word I'm looking for? Very territorial in the Middle East. Mm. So it makes sense from somebody else. That's why, like, um, uh, that's why we know that uh, um, Sami Zayn won't wrestle over there. Right. Because he's Lebanese. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of bad blood. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an interesting dynamically. But I, I think but I think mostly his job is safe because they see something in him. And remember, one point juncture, he was almost up for the main event of WrestleMania. Right. How, <laughs> how crazy the world turns, man. At one point in juncture. But Kofi Mania happened because he got injured. Yeah. So 
it's not like they don't see something in the kid. He looks like a million bucks. He is a little smaller, but yeah, but I'd love to see him in New Japan, especially at Strong. Yeah, Strong has been on a hell of a fucking program. Man. He'd be huge, and there. everybody's over there. Yeah. So I think it'd be great to see him against guys like Filthy Tom Lawler. Oh. I'd love to see him against Buddy Murphy again and their friends. I'd love to see a lot of that stuff, man. So like Ren Narita, some some great talent, man. Will Osprey, TJP. We've seen him in TJP in the past. It'd be great to see him in TJP again. Say him and Osprey, that'd be something. Him and Osprey would be a dream match over there for me personally. Yeah, for for strong. And I think we could see that. So, well, with that being said, we are actually going to take our final break of the show. During this break, we're going to pay homage, because we've done this before, especially when it snows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to pay homage to our good friends at uh, at Second Suitor, and they have a great song called Sprinkles, and it's about fuck snow. Yeah. And that's the nicest way I can uh, say it. Check them out on YouTube Music, uh, Spotify, and Bandcamp, and uh, we're going to play the song Sprinkles for you. Uh, that's what you're going to hear during the final break. When we come back, oh, if you're watching on... On Twitch, you're going to mm-hmm. see the information for the Three Fat Nerds podcast. Uh, but when we come back, Ken M, are you ready for this? Yes. We are going to be talking all things GCW, World on GCW, coming up this upcoming Sunday from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about that right after this break. week's 607 TWS. And you know what that means, right? Hell yeah. It means it is time to talk about the biggest event coming up this upcoming week, in my opinion, and probably many others. And it's a historic event because let's start off by talking about how historic this truly actually is. And it's not just because I'm a GCW fan. It's not just because I think that they're putting on a great wrestling, but that's part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. The Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City has a long 
lineage with pro wrestling. First and foremost, it was the home of Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. The Manhattan Center. See, people get it confused. Manhattan Center and Hammerstein Ballroom are the same thing. Yeah. They're in the same building. Technically speaking, you can call them separate venues because you can use part of the venue and not the whole venue. Right. So when WWE was there and they were using the Manhattan Center, they weren't using the whole venue. They were just using the smaller portion. Mm. When you open it up and you have the mezzanines and everything, that is when it becomes the Hammerstein Ballroom. That is also where ECW famously ran. When ECW would run New York City, I mean, originally they started at the Madhouse of Extreme in Queens, New York, at the Elks Lodge. And then when they outgrew that, they went to the Hammerstein Ballroom. And they put on some great events, including their last pay-per-view event ever was at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Of course, when WWE brought back ECW... One Night Stand. And the sequel to One Night Stand, both of them, were at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Hmm. That is the famous, uh, if Cena wins, we riot. For the second one. Yep. Also the famous uh, uh, JBL going into business for himself in the Blue Mean in the original. Yep. Also a great match between Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome. Yeah, that was insane. I mean, they always did great work, but still that one. Now, fast forward, Ring of Honor used to do Final Battle there every year. Mm -hmm. So it's been synonymous with wrestling for since 1990. And probably before, because I'm sure some independent company ran there before, or maybe even WWE did some kind of small house show business way back in the day. I didn't look back that far. But we already know in the early 90s, it was the home of Monday Night Raw. Mm -hmm. So for GCW, an independent wrestling company out of New Jersey originally, they ran small bar shows or club shows, as they used to call them, when they first started, and if you go back in the lineage, which is hard to find some of the older videos now, because unfortunately that's in litigation yeah. with, with independentwrestling.tv. But if you go back and you look for some of those shows and you see some of the shows, or if you own some of those shows, you see how far this company came from being a true independent with maybe 100 people in attendance to a company that now goes coast to coast, wrestles in big cities, and is going into bigger and bigger venues because they're selling out the venues that they started in. Mm-hmm. They've outgrown venues. <clears throat> in a lot of ways, they've outgrown Atlantic City. But because it's home, and it, thankfully it will never go away because I love going to Atlantic City. And if you're a GCW fan, you're on the East Coast, and you can get to Atlantic City, New Jersey to see a show, please do. With that being said, sorry, I'm, I didn't have a cough drop in because earlier that was killing me with my uh, choking on stuff. So I apologize. So, there's a lot of history to this. Yes. Also, we found out this past week, they will be on, even though I know we're, most of us are going to be watching on Fight.TV. I mean, I'll be there live. Mm-hmm. Ken M, you'll be there live. Yes. We'll be at the Hammerstein in the sold-out crowd. And also, the bragging point for that is they are sell, they've sold more tickets than any other wrestling event there ever. Yeah. The reason being is they're using the stage for seating because... They only use the small black curtain. They're kind of like old ECW style where they're like, I don't need, we don't need a big elaborate set, even though ECW, when they ran there, would cut off the stage too. Yeah. They're just running the curtain and they're selling seats on there. That's how they got to that number. Smart move. So we found out this last week that not only are they going to be on fight.tv, they're going to be on real pay-per-view, which I know in 2022, it doesn't sound that important, but think about it. Real pay-per-view providers don't. Let independent wrestling on their televisions. It's a huge move. 
Only multi, only the major companies run real pay per view. Whether they're selling a lot on there or not, because trust me, Fight TV is probably your best bet to begin with. Mm-hmm. Because then you can have it forever. Yes. But like, think about it. Impact runs pay per view. I don't even know if they're on regular pay per view anymore. To be honest, we I think, know. A- I think they are. We know AEW is. Yeah. We know WWE still is, which is kind of weird. <laughs> but. That's a big deal for an independent wrestling company to be able to do all these things. So kudos to them. And once again, as a fan, yeah, I'm a fanboy about it a little bit. I know Lou, who's in the chat, is also a fan. Mm-hmm. I know you're a fan. Mm-hmm. I do say to anybody to check it out. And if you want to see a GCW show, if you've been on the fence, and I've said this about shows before, this is actually the real show to see. Yes. This is the biggest event they're throwing in the history of the company. It's going to be a great card. We don't know the whole card. We're going to run down what we do now. We're going to run down some speculation. But on top of that, a lot of people don't like death matches. Now, we've said before, GCW is now only doing like one death match a show unless it's one of their death match shows. At the Hammerstein, they can't do death matches because the New York State Athletic Commission does not allow that. Mm-hmm. Hell, the New York State Athletic Commission doesn't even want you to bleed. Yeah. So, Interesting. But we're going to talk about some stories, things that are coming in, things to watch out for. We'll first run down the card, and then we'll hit some extras. How about that? Works for me. So, of course, World on GCW goes down this upcoming Sunday, the 23rd of January. The pay-per-view proper starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, Fight and the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube, I do believe, yes, are running... The Paps Blue Ribbon pre-show at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we know there's going to be two matches on the pre-show. We're sure one of them is going to be a scramble, probably, because that's the GCW original. Well, not original, but they do it better than anybody. And the other, and we have this confirmed, is the Grab the Brass Ring ladder match. The participants have not been announced yet, but the winner... Of the grab the brass ring ladder match will win a match of their choosing for the belt of their choosing whenever they want it. So think money in the bank. Yep. And that's going to be going down between seven and eight. And guess what? It's absolutely free. So you can watch on the Game Changer YouTube or on Fight.TV for absolutely free. You can watch the Pat's Blue Ribbon pre-show for World on GCW 7 p.m. Also, I want to make note. Saturday, January 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Fight.TV for free, because they have it listed for free, will be the inaugural Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yes. Homicide is being inducted in the Hall of Fame. Dave Prezak is being inducted in the Hall of Fame by CM Punk, so CM Punk will be there. Um, Lufisto is going to be inducted. Tracy Smothers is going to be inducted. Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn's going to be inducted. And Ruckus is going to be inducted. Yes. I think that's all six. I'm doing that off the top of my head. So if you would like to see that, tune in for free at Fight.tv. as it for free on Saturday, September 22nd. Pat says GCW getting sponsored by water. Very considerate of that sponsor to think of the fans. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can't get behind that. Pat's Blue Ribbon. It's, it's, it's a tasty shit beer. If they sponsored this show, I'd tell you it was great. Yeah. We'll Although, see. I know you don't drink, but the, the, the and I haven't had one in a while. The Paps Blue Ribbon Coffee, they have a coffee flavor. 
That is actually super good. I just want to throw that out there. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's you can buy it at the Weggies. <laughs> I know because I bought it there, but it's it's, okay, it's super tasty. It's like a, it's a four it. pack, and they're little skinny things, but they actually kind of taste like coffee. Hmm. They are alcoholic, but they they taste like coffee. It's it, pretty actually. It's, it's I was impressed because it's Paps. Yeah. Anyways, I digress. Let's get back into it. These yes. people don't want to hear me plug Paps because they're not plugging me. <laughs> so anyways, we already went over the brass ring and we already went over the scramble match that's going to be going down in some PM hour. Plus, also, I'm sure they're going to be video packages and stuff leading into the great card that they have there because they've done a great job of telling the stories that they need to tell for this event. Let's start off by one that has one of the greatest, in my opinion, video packages of the night. And uh, you can watch it on the Game Changer Wrestling YouTube, and you can also find it uh, all over their social medias. But Game Changer Wrestling YouTube, just check it out. Ruby Soho is going to make her GCW debut against Allie Catch. This is Allie Catch's dream match. When she became a wrestler, she wanted to wrestle Ruby Soho. Um, at the time, Heidi Loveless. And now, finally, the stars have aligned. The, I love the video package for this, where she's going over signs and how things she believes in divine intervention and that you know sometimes you're not meant to get on that plane sometimes you're not meant to go to that wedding sometimes you're not meant to do these things but sometimes the stars line up and you're met and you look at the signs and you have to follow the signs and she's going through and she then says that maybe my dream match isn't obtainable maybe i should just give it up on it and then she walks in front and then she puts her hand on the wall and as it comes back it says soho and then she's standing in front of the manhattan center and then we got the announcement right after ruby soho versus ally catch at the hammerstein ballroom this is going to be a phenomenal women's match, in my opinion. This is this is going to be a match of the year candidate. Legit. I can't wait to see this. Alley Catch has been putting on some of the best work in wrestling, bar none. And this has been something I've been waiting to see out of Ruby, too, because, I mean, she's been in AEW. She's had some good matches. But this is somebody on Alley's level. I, I, I can't wait to see what she does. I, I can't wait for this. This is going to be one of my favorites. Great package. Please check out the package. I can't even do it justice describing it. Mm-hmm. Next one, let's style deal with her tag team partner and Bussy. Yes. Jeff Jarrett came to Atlantic City and died for this and hit Effie with a guitar, preventing Effie from entering the Rumble to get become try to become the number one contender mm-hmm. for the GCW world title at the Hammerstein. Effie says, no, I'm not going to let these clout vampires drink my blood. To hell with it. As a matter of fact, my favorite line, Brett locked the fucking back door. Yeah. Refuses to fight him. Says, I'm not going to do this just because of, to give you any clout. Get out of here. I'm done with this. Well, we talked about it. Say you will. Happened this past Saturday. Allie Catch, his tag team partner, his sister, gets hit with a guitar over the head. by one Jeff Jarrett. And finally, Effie says, you know what? You want it? Fuck it. We're going to fight. We're not yeah. going to have a wrestling match. We're going to fight. You're going to come meet me face-to-face, man-to-man, no sneaking up, no bullshit guitar shots, and I'm going to fight you. So we have Jeff Jarrett versus Effie. Yeah, this is surprising to see I because I had Effie locked and loaded to win that number one contendership match, and then when Jeff Jarrett came out and completely threw everything off, I was like, this is a dynamic that I was not expecting. Jeff Jarrett and GCW did not have that in the radar, but this is going to be a hell of a match. Uh, and you know, I'll even say, I'll say Jared gets a, gets the cheap win to extend the feud. Maybe. Maybe. Next up, we get a match that has given us all shades of WrestleMania eight. Macho man, Randy Savage yeah. 
versus Ric Flair for the, w- the WWF title. As Joey Janela sent a wedding gift of photos of himself and Chelsea Green to Matt Cardona. Said she was mine before yours, brother. She's sneaking behind your back. He also claims he has a video. Yeah. Then Matt Cardona goes on a tirade. How he, by the way, he quit GCW. And then he goes on his tirade that, you know what? I want Joey Janela. Brett, give me Joey Janela. Instead, he gave him Rhino <laughs> and Ricky Morton. And then, of course, we know after we talked about, it, say you will, mm-hmm. after he was beating up Ricky Morton at the end, Joey Janela, who nobody knew was in the building, makes the save. Fast forward. YouTube today, Matt Cardona re- reveal, releases a video where he went to see Super Gabby and Joey Janela attacks him and they brawl and uh, Cardona gets bloody and everything. This storyline has just been phenomenal. I mean, Joey Janela, one of the most creative minds in all professional wrestling. And this is something Cardona can sink his teeth into. But I'm just hoping we get something different out of him in the match. I just want to throw this out. Matt Cardona will have Chelsea Green in his corner as well. However, there was some uh, rockiness to that relationship this past weekend in the Midwest. So who knows? Will Chelsea Green stand by her husband? Or is there where there's smoke, is there fire? Maybe those photos aren't doctored. Maybe she, she wanted a little bit of the bad boy and turns on Matt Cardona. Mm, I don't know. We'll find out this Sunday. Uh, we got a great six-man tag team. Lucha, Lucha, Lucha match. We got Team Bandito. ASF Bandito and the Laredo Kid taking on Team Gringo, Ares, Demonic Flamita, and Gringo Loco, the base god. This could be a wild match. Listen, every time they've done a six-man lucha-style match, it's been insane. Yeah. And these are six of the top luchadors in the fucking world. I know. If you don't know who ASF is, get ready. He's amazing. Laredo Kid. I'm sure some of you are familiar with him. AAA is amazing. Gringo Loco, Demonic Flamito, can I say more? Bandito, Arez, another person that's wrestling in AAA a lot. Mm-hmm. This is going to tear the house down. We got the GCW World Tag Team titles on the line. The Briscoes don't have a match, and they said, if you want some, come get some. Any tag team that wants to get beat up by them boys, come to the Hammerstein Ballroom that belts are on the line. We all know the internet. We all know what's been going on. FTR is my pick. I think everybody at the Hammerstein, it thinks or knows it's going to be FTR. Ken M, is this finally where we see the them boys, the Briscoes, versus FTR for the GCW World Tag Team titles this Sunday night from the Hammerstein Ballroom? It has to be. I, I fear that if it's not, for whatever reason, that crowd is going to turn super ugly in a hurry because let's face it this internet feud has been building up time in and time out gcw is the only place they can have this match i'm sorry AEW fans no you can't do this on dynamite you got to do this on a big stage pay-per-view this is a big money match and the fans are definitely going to be super happy with this because the only one i was going to say could be a complete curveball as a substitute opponent would be Brody king and malachi black as a tag team that could come in there if they couldn't get FTR. But I, I'm saying this has got to be FTR for the win. Uh, yeah, I would think that would be good. I think it would be great. Mm-hmm. Next up, we got the Ring of Honor world title on the line. It has not been announced yet if it is going to be 
pure rules or not, but I'm assuming yes, because it has been defended that way before. So, but it's not listed yet. Your champion, Jonathan Gresham is going to go one-on-one with Blake Christian. We also know that during this match, Ian Riccoboni from Ring of Honor will be commentating with Dave Prezak and KG. Oh, that's going to be good. Because Dave Prezak and KG will be calling the action. Ian Riccoboni will be a part of this match. I don't know if he's going to stay around or be there before. I know he's going to be a part of this match, though. Anyways, Jonathan Gresham, Blake Christian for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Another match of the year candidate, bar none. I'm going to go out on a limb, as wild as it's going to sound, and say and new. Oh, it could be. It could be. And here's the thing I'm going to say. How fitting is it that the Ring of Honor world title will be on the line at the Hammerstein? Oh, it's perfect. So I think this is great business. I think it's awesome of Brett Lauderdale and the GCW uh, staff to allow the Ring of Honor title to be defended because it's been defended there a lot. And I think this is going to be awesome that we get to see a great talent like Blake Christian get to take on possibly the best technical wrestler in the world today, in my opinion, he is, Mm -hmm. and Jonathan Gresham. Facts. That leaves one more confirmed match left, my friend. And that is for, and it's confirmed, the GCW World's Heavyweight Championship will be on the line for the first time in a few months. The returning John Moxley will be defending against the man who won the Rumble in Atlantic City and the, by this time, Independent Wrestling Hall of Famer. Yes. Homicide. Here's an interesting fact, though. Homicide has ties to Eddie Kingston, and so doesn't John Moxley. Well, we and we know Eddie Kingston will be in the house. We'll get to the rumored matches in a minute, so we'll, we we know where this is going to... We'll talk about mm-hmm. it. But uh, what are you thinking here for the GCW world title? Uh, I think this is where we have the curveball, and we have the winner of the brass ring match is one Atticus Kogar, and he enters this match and wins. Well, today, uh, Atticus Kogar and GCW put out a great video. It was uh, Dear Brett Lauderdale, and Atticus went on to talk about how him and others have bled for this company, and then... Here it is. Here's here's homicide, or as he called by his real name, D. Yeah, you won. You you come in and you win this match, and you get this shot. And not here I am, and in a, in a Paps Blue Ribbon pre-show isn't where I belong. And he said, and I quote, "I am going to come to this event. I am going to hurt somebody. I'm going to make them bleed, so you get fined by the state of New York." And I fully believe it too. I'm also going to say, um, believe it or not, I'm also going to say that I think that Atticus Kogar, by come hook or by crook, whether it's winning the brass ring or just by gullying somebody into a fight a la Rhino back in the day in the Sandman, Mm -hmm. in the same building, I think he's going to walk out with the GCW world title, which would be a nightmare for everybody, although the shadow of RSP also looms. Yeah, that you never know how that's going to play out. Plus one Nick Gage. Also, the shadow of Nick Gage, who's not confirmed for the show, but we haven't seen him in a while. You never know. There's a lot of shadows yes. that are out there. So I think I think no matter what, no matter who it is, somebody is walking out as the new GCW world champion. I agree. John Moxley, I do not think, leaves the Hammerstein Ballroom as champion. Homicide could win it in the match. Nick Gage could win it after. Atticus Kogar. I already said RSP is a possibility. Mm-hmm. We are all forgetting about the devil, you know, making it exist. There's a ton of guys. Effie. Somebody could just go into business and get that belt. I'm just saying. I think the Hammerstein, that's going to be the big shocker at the Hammerstein, in my opinion. But let's touch up on the Atticus stuff. Atticus is not mentioned for a match, but there's other people not mentioned for matches as well. Jordan Oliver, not mm-hmm. in a match. Tony Deppin isn't booked. He's booked there, not in a match. Matthew Justice. Matthew Justice is booked, not in a match. 
B-Boy just got added, not not added to a match. And I know there's going to be a scramble, and I know there's going to be this brass ring ladder match, but there's a lot of guys. And Tony Deppin today, after Atticus put out his thing, said, hey, man, maybe Atticus is on to something. Maybe he knows something we don't. Mm-hmm. As he said, you know what? I've sacrificed a lot here, too. Maybe he's on to something. I don't know. The revolution that Brett started may be carried out by more people. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to wait to find out. Myself and you will be in attendance for this one. Hell yeah. Rumored matches. We got one big one. AJ Gray put out tweets. Now he's put out videos. He wants Eddie Kingston in the Hammerstein ballroom. But he don't want AEW Eddie Kingston. He says he wants fired up, ready to fight Eddie Kingston. He doesn't care if he has to punch him in the mouth for real to make that happen. He wants Brett and GCW to give him Eddie Kingston. So I'm thinking we're going to get AJ Gray versus Eddie Kingston I think in one hell of a brutal fight. Yeah, that's going to be out of control, to say the least. It's going to be crazy. Is there any other speculation you want to jump into? No, I mean, the only one I, I would say is Nick Gage is going to be involved in some way. RSP would be a nice uh, surprise surprise as well. I'm also just trying to think who is an independent that could come through there. Maybe EC3's group. I mean, we don't know about them if they would be partaking in events. Or would we have maybe CM Punk, since he's going to be there, get involved? The night before, yeah. Yeah, I mean, could it be something where Jeff Jarrett gets taken out and Effie has to deal with CM Punk? You want to talk about the cloud chasers and all that, you know? I'm just saying there's there's so many possibilities that could happen, especially with a big event like this. All bets are off of who could walk through that door. Uh, maybe the Ring of Honor talent comes through. Yeah. They've been disrupting shows lately. This Mike is... Bennett and uh, Matt Taven and company. Yeah, or you could see some impact wrestlers come through there. Sammy Callahan. You never know. Josh Alexander. But even if those don't happen, I think on paper right now, this is a solid card. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to see it. There is going to be some ducks and turns and everything. We already know that. Uh, playing it very close to the vest, which I love. I do expect to hear AJ Gray versus Eddie Kingston announced before the event. Uh, outside of that, I I'm, will be waiting on bated breath. Keep your eyes uh, on the GCW Twitter. Also on ours, because I'm sure we'll share it. Oh, yeah. Find out who's going to be in the brass ring. And also the scramble match that will also take place. Once again, if you've been on the fence about GCW, this is the show to buy. This is the show where if you're on the fence and the only thing you don't like is death matches, this is the show to buy because there's no death match. Mm. If you're on the fence and you want to see uh, what they represent and what they're all about, they're going to show the world from the Hammerstein Ballroom this Sunday. Be a part of it. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, if you don't believe, then tune in at 7 p.m. Watch the free show. You might be sold on it. Between the video packages and the couple matches they're going to have, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by the GCW product. Mm-hmm. Facts. If you're not a fan, you will be by the end of this card, guaranteed, if you really love professional wrestling. I can't wait. Myself and you will be in the Hammerstein Ballroom. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a magical night. This is uh, right up there for excitement with me. It's right up there with when I went to WrestleMania. Yeah. So I'm, I'm ready to go and have a great time and just be a part of Magic. It's been Magic, but I've been a part of Magic when they were did the homecoming thing. And I, I can't wait to be the part of the Magic again. So... Whew. We're yeah. just a few days away, man. Less Let's than a week. Let's do it. And we'll be at the Hammerstein. And uh, keep your eyes posted at 3 Fighters Pod at OD Parlay Hour on Twitter, especially. I mean, we'll be doing it to other things, but Twitter, especially. Yeah. Because we will be tweeting from the event as things happen live from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. We'll also be staying close to the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. So that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> All right, man. 
Good show. Good show. A lot of great stuff. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, a little longer. We had a lot to talk about. Next week on the show, of course, we will be going over show notes and results from GCW World on GCW. It's kind of weird when you say GCW World on GCW, but yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, so we'll be going over that. Also, we'll be previewing the WWE Royal Rumble because that goes down the following week. And although I have not been tuning into the product, the Royal Rumble is my favorite event of the year. So I'll definitely be watching that. I'll be actually going to Geneva and watching it with George. Oh, nice. Nice. That's my normal uh, plans. We're going to keep that tradition alive this year as well. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll be previewing that. And then any other wrestling news that happens to come through the gates in between now and next Monday night. But... We must now bid you adieu, but before we do, Ken M, tell these fine folks once again how to find the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on social media. You can find all our links there, the directory, the classifieds, the music section, Parlay Points, T-Public Store, all the things ODPH is at odphpodcast.com. Of course, Three Fat Nerds Podcast. Find us anywhere you get great podcasts. Look for 607 TWS anywhere you get great podcasts. Just by searching 607TWS. I want to throw that out there. I don't know if we mentioned that enough. 8122productions.com for all the information. At 3 Fenders Pod. Throw an at in front of it if you have to on all social medias. There you go. That's all the great ways to get a hold of us. The one main one I would drive home. 8122productions.com. All the information is there for you. Facts. With that being said, we're coming to the end. And when we come to the end of the show, we always uh, like to leave with our good friend Second Suitor. Song's called One Winged Angel. Support Second Suitor on YouTube Music. Bandcamp and Spotify. But we got a big week coming up. We're going to be in the Hammerstein in the next night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next Monday night, we'll be right here. 607 TWS talking GCW, talking WWE Royal Rumble, talking wrestling news. But until then, for myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and later, wrestling. Fans! If you take my hand We could order Chinese food Get high and then watch New Japan Rainmaker, my so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon The walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking at you And I've got a To shatter the hourglass emptying all of the sand This moment is infinite dancing along with the band Will you sing with only one wing The angel I've looked for and she can't stop looking
Top ropes, one, two.